a very famous passage of scripture here. We have the call of Moses, the burning bush account. Uh, Moses becomes a really unlikely hero. He was, you know, Moses was born as an abandoned baby. He was raised by royalty, which was kind of a rags-to-riches thing, but he was uh, despised by his kind of native people. He then killed an Egyptian, so he was despised by those people too, and he just runs away, and he's living in obscurity as a shepherd. And then, boom, he has this experience, and God calls him. He's just an unlikely hero. We love unlikely hero stories. You know, most movies or good stories have some kind of unlikely character that raises up as the hero. All of our superhero stories are kind of like that. All the um, comic book and Marvel movie. You know, you get somebody like, um, you know, a poor, sickly, orphan teenager, you know, Peter Parker. But he gets bit by one radioactive spider. And then he's got all these powers and becomes the hero. You get Steve Rogers, the frail, undersized, wannabe soldier, you know, rejected by the military, but volunteers for an experimental serum, becomes a super soldier, and Captain America. We love stories like this. There's lots of stories like this. Why do we love these kind of stories? Well, we love them because in some ways these heroes represent us. We, we want a we want purpose and meaning and, and, and identity. You know, we want, um, we want a mission for our lives. And so these kind of stories give us, give us hope. And they, they help us to see that, you know, even just kind of a, um, a weak person, you know, can become something great. And it's very inspiring in that sense. So here, out of the fire, God calls this man, uh, Moses, who is just living in obscurity. And that's where we start our journey today through the book of Exodus, where we're going to spend the next few weeks. We're going to take kind of a high-level view of the, the book of Exodus, and you may ask, well, why now? Why, are we, why study the book of Exodus together? A uh, few reasons. Uh, mostly, we just finished our study of the book of Exodus way at the end of the Bible. Now we're rewinding way back towards the beginning. And in doing that, what's kind of cool is if you're one of those people who reads a book and you say, you know what, I'm just going to flip to the last chapter and just see how it ends, and then go back, Actually, knowing the ending of the story makes the rest of it, you could pick up on details and themes. We, remember when we were looking at um, Revelation, we were talking about uh, God, themes of God's judgment, his deliverance, and uh, his being with his people. You know, God was with his people at the end. He's with his people here in Exodus. He's with us now. That's why we gather. That's why we worship. I mean, these are themes that are central to our life of faith. So uh, the, we just kind of see those themes pulled through the whole history of God's work. And I love the book of Exodus. It's, it's very action-packed, and yet it's still very rich theologically. It shows us a lot of really who God is, and we can get to know him more. Um, the other motive is I do want to preach Joshua this summer, and Exodus is going to really set us up. So I, it's, kind of a, it's kind of my selfish motive there, too. But, um, but this should be good. We're going to just take a, a, a six weeks or so through this. And so today we're thinking about hearing God's call. So here God calls Moses to this amazing, uh, amazing path of delivering God's people. And so I want to consider how we might hear God's call in our life as well. So let's pray as we begin. So Father God, at the, at the very core of our being, we believe that you hear us when we pray. But also, Lord, that we can hear your voice uh, just as you spoke to Moses, that you could speak to us. And I pray that even right now we might hear your voice, that you might speak to us and that we might hear and respond. And we thank you that you, are, you care enough about us to, to want to guide us and speak to us, Lord. So um, may it be during this time. 
We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I want to give a little context of the book of Exodus, kind of where we're at. If, for those of you who may be less familiar with the Old Testament or of this story, so it, it all kind of starts, the Israelites' journey kind of starts with a man named Abraham. And God chose him out of all the people of the world. He said, Abraham, I'm going to be a blessing to you and your descendants, and you're going to, the whole world will be blessed through you and your descendants. So we have Abraham, his son Isaac, his son Jacob, who is also called Israel, and all their descendants are called Israelites. So it's through this family that God has promised that they will be blessed and that the world will be blessed. And so one of um, Jacob's sons, his name was Joseph, he settled in Egypt. He moved to Egypt. And it's kind of an understatement if you know the story. But he moved to Egypt. You can read about it in the book of Genesis. And the rest of his family kind of settled with him. And they had a lot of babies. So I just summarized a lot of history right there. But they're in Egypt, and they become very uh, fruitful, and they're very uh, numerous. And the leader of Egypt sees this group of people and is threatened by that. Like, hey, they're becoming pretty numerous. We don't want them to revolt so that they, so they are treated as slaves in Egypt, and they are treated very harshly. And the Pharaoh, at one point, he says, you know, all the male boys that are born, we're going to kill them because we don't want them to keep uh, populating and becoming more and more numerous, so we're going to kill all the baby boys. So this Israelite woman has a baby, and she is afraid that the baby will be killed. She puts the baby in a basket, puts the baby in the river. The baby floats away. She says it's her way of saying goodbye. As it would be, the, uh, a princess was bathing and sees this basket with a baby in it. She takes it and raises it as her own. This baby, of course, is Moses. And um, so one day, Moses is out. He sees one of uh, the Israelites being beaten by an, an Egyptian. He is upset by this. He kills the Egyptian. And it kind of gets found out what happened, and he has to flee. So he goes off to this place called Midian. It's just kind of an obscure place. And he meets his wife, and he becomes a shepherd. And he's just tending sheep and just living away from the people who raised him and away from his kind of his, the people of his kind of blood ancestors. And he's just living out there, and boom, we get this moment um, where God confronts him and calls him. Now, I want to consider how God calls us too, but before we do that, I need to say, you are not Moses. When we, when we read the Old Testament, there's this tendency to say, to kind of put ourselves in the story, like, well, how am I like the characters in this story? You're not a lot like Moses. When you read about Moses in the Old Testament, you should really think about Jesus. Like, Moses was called to be a great deliverer of his people to bring them out of slavery into freedom. Jesus was the ultimate deliverer who frees people from the slavery of sin and death and brings them into freedom and life eternal. That was Jesus. Jesus was the, the messenger of God, the prophet of God to proclaim God's kingdom. And Moses had been, when Moses was at the end of his life, there was a promise from God that there would be a prophet like Moses. And that's Jesus. He came. Moses was called to stand in between God and the people and mediate a covenant, a promise. And it was a covenant of law. And we're going to take a look at that. Jesus mediates a covenant of grace. And he's the, you know, the one mediator between, uh, between all people and God. And he, it's, uh, he, he mediates that covenant by his work on the cross. I mean, there, G, Jesus 
Moses is much more like a Jesus figure than, than you. And again, there's stories. We've got these babies that are born, Jesus in the manger. We've got Moses in a basket. We've got a genocidal king against Moses, a genocidal king against Jesus. You know, they, they both were rejected by their people in different ways. They both struggled with their calling. And you know, even Jesus, when he, when he prayed, you know, to the Father, my God, my God, you know, um, if you could take this cup of suffering from me, you know, but not my will, yours be done. And Jesus perfectly fulfilled his calling. But there was, there was that struggle in the calling even. And so, you know, we read of Moses' story. We see Jesus all through there. Um, it's not about you. It's about God. On the other hand, though, to the extent that Moses was called by God, and God is a God who calls people to himself, if God is calling us, then in some ways we are kind of like Moses, in that God calls us. And to the extent that we tend to, or we can be people who um, question that calling or try to reject that calling, then yeah, we, maybe we are a little bit like Moses in that sense. And so let's take a look at that. You know, we are people who are called by God, really, in two ways. God calls us to his family, to his kingdom. This is a call from God. Again, it's not a voice from a burning bush, but this is a call that goes out to the whole world to be God's child, to be part of his kingdom. Jesus said that he had come to call sinners to repentance, basically saying for people who are going their own way, their own way of sin, their way of the world, calling them to repent, which means to turn, calling everybody to turn towards Jesus, towards God's way, to be part of the kingdom way on earth. And God wants everybody to respond to this call. God's word says that he wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. Now, how God calls people to that salvation, to be part of his family, is going to look different. Some people, their whole life, from the time they were a child, they'd say, yep, I've, I know that God has called me to faith. Other people, it's much later in life, where they're going their own way, and all of a sudden, they just have this deep sense, or they have a conversation or an exploration, and the next thing they know, they, their faith is they've turned from their way and they've turned to God. And so it can happen in different ways. It can happen in an instant. It can happen over a period of time and questioning and exploring. But it's, it's a call for everybody. It's a call that God initiates. Scripture says in 2 Corinthians 4, God made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of knowledge of God's glory. God is shining that light towards us, and we respond to it in faith. And then when we respond in faith, our mission, our life is radically altered forever. Not that we don't doubt that call or question that. And I know people who've come to faith and at some point along the journey they might say, you know, I'm not sure God really called me or God's really there. My hope, Free Christian Church, my hope is that we would be a church where it's okay to doubt. It's okay to, to, to struggle with God's call on your life. I think too many people have been raised in traditions where they said, you're not allowed to ask questions. This is just the way it is. Keep it to yourself. You know, just stuff that doubt away. And we really want to be a place where people say, yeah, I am struggling in my faith. Yeah, I'm not sure. We've got processes like Alpha where people can go and intentionally ask questions. You know, what do you think of this? How, how do other people feel about this? And just have a very open and safe conversation, a place to, to explore our doubts. Our confirmation students, our confirmation program for students, very similar, just a 
place to really explore, what do I really believe? Where are my doubts? How can I find answers? And I just, that, that's my hope, is that you know, as God calls people to himself, that doubt can be part of that. So, that's, but that's a very general call to faith. But we also believe that God calls us specifically, that for each person, that God has a special mission for your life. It's not that we're just saved from sin and from death, but we're saved for something good. Ephesians 2 says, We are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared for us. That each of us is designed to live a life that is good and for, these, for this mission that God has for us. Jesus said to his followers, he said, As the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. And just, just as Jesus came to, to be a deliverer and to be a, God's kingdom blessing into the world, we bring God's kingdom blessing into our world in different ways. Everybody's calling in that sense is a little bit different, but everybody's calling is important. Um, you know, here's Moses. He gets this calling, and he's just working. He's just with his sheep. He's just out doing his shepherd thing, and, and God approaches him there. And we find that wherever we are, whether it could just be in our place of work, it could just be in, at home, God is calling you to your mission in those places. I love, um, we, I had mentioned last week, that there were the devotional writers during the season of Lent, and people were just sharing their story about what they've seen God do in their lives. And thank you to everybody who shared stories, and um, it was just a great journey to, to hear what God was doing. But two people specifically wrote accounts of how they believe that God put them in their workplace for a specific purpose that was beyond just the work that they were doing, that God had put coworkers in their life to walk alongside, to have conversations with. And so many times, it's just in the places where we are, where God is calling us to that specific uh, ministry that, that is for us. So, you know, that ministry for you might be in the walls of the church. It might be helping out um, with, with music or with children or with seniors or with connecting or, or something like that. But also beyond the walls of the church, in your workplaces and neighborhoods and schools and um, and God is calling us all. So we are, in a sense, kind of like Moses in that God calls us. But that also means, the other thing I see is that we're also kind of like Moses in the sense that we can push against that call. We can um, sort of question that calling. Um, so two ways Mo- that Moses does that here. In verse 11, you know, God is calling Moses to this great task of delivering the people. And Moses basically says, who am I? Moses says to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And he's doubting his call. It's self-doubt. How could God use me? Then maybe you feel that way. Maybe you're in a place today where you say, you know what? There's good people out there. There's talented people. I'm not one of them. I'm not sure how God could ever use someone like me. And you can easily doubt God's calling in your life, or you feel like God is calling you to a place that's uncomfortable or doing something you've never done before, and we can sort of doubt and say, yeah, you know, I, who am I really? But look at God's response in verse 12. God said, I will be with you. That's the promise of God. When we doubt ourselves, God said, hey, you're doubting yourself? No big deal. It's not about you to begin with. It's about me. I'm the one who called you, and I'm the one who will walk with you. We had a men's breakfast yesterday. We were talking about this very theme. Miles spoke. He did a great job with this, um, this uh, 
teaching from Pastor Tim Keller called The Freedom of Self-Forgetfulness. And the whole idea is this. In traditional cultures in the world, they would describe the biggest problem with humanity is pride. That people, people lack humility. It's pride. It's hubris. It's people kind of get above their station and they, they go and they do things they shouldn't do or take things they shouldn't take or pursue things that are not good for the, you know, for the common good. And that's why the world is broken. It's pride. But in more contemporary culture, they say actually the problem with humanity isn't pride. It's actually low self-esteem that people don't think too think highly enough of themselves. They don't feel affirmed or accepted or they don't feel good about themselves. If we could just raise people's self-esteem, they won't go and do terrible things and the brokenness of the world. And and the, the whole premise that in Jesus Christ, it's not about thinking too highly of yourself and it's not about thinking too low of yourself. It's just about thinking about yourself too much. You don't need to think less of yourself. You need to think of yourself less to get your eyes off your, your issues, your day-to-day, your everything, and put your eyes on the God who is calling you, the God who loves you, who's called you to be part of his, his kingdom. That's the, that's the key. So when Moses says, who am I? God says, I'm with you. Focus on that. Then Moses has a second objection here. And we see this in verse 13. He says, Moses says to God, well, suppose I go to the Israelites and they... Say, and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, well, what is his name? Then what should I tell them? You know, Moses, his first one is, you know, who am I in this? The second question is, well, who are you? And underneath that question is, Moses is saying, look, I kind of seriously doubt my qualifications for this, but when I go to these people, they're going to seriously doubt my qualifications for this thing. I need them to know you know, what this is, who this is all about. And here's God's response. God says to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you're to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. And then verse 15, God also says, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. Now this is interesting. I want to point this out. So where it says the Lord, that's a, sort of a form of the verb to be or the I am. As God says, my, my name is I am that I am. Tell them I am. The same God who was and is and who always will be. The same God of, who made promises to Abraham and to Isaac and made the same promises to Jacob and made a promise to be a blessing to the world. The, I am that God. I am the one God. I am the one self-existing being ever. That only I am. That's who I am. I am. And you're going to call me that. So in your Bible, when you see where it says the Lord, all capital L-O-R-D, that's the, the, God's name. And it's pronounced something like Yahweh. Or some traditions would pronounce it something like Jehovah. Probably Yahweh is probably a better way to pronounce that. But as a representation of his name, there's this, this word. And we... In English, we just call it Lord in most Bibles. And there's a long tradition to that. Um, but that's like 6,000 times in your Old Testament. You're going to see all caps Lord. So when you see that, you can say Lord, or you could read it as Yahweh, or I am, or God is. That's just that's how we should see that. But we see it so much in our Bible, it's easy to miss that. I just want to point that out to you. But what's the point here? The point is, when you go do these things, you've got to remember who's really doing the work. 
Because in, in verse 10, it says, Go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But before that, in verse 8, he said, I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians. So is God the rescuer or is Moses the rescuer? You know, why is there a contradiction there? Well, there's no contradiction. God is the rescuer, and he's going to use Moses to do the rescuing. And that's God's choice. God's doing his work, and he's choosing imperfect people, people who doubt the calling, to do the work. And that's how God works. So how do we live this out in our lives? Well, first of all, is the God's call on your life, the call to salvation. You don't need a burning bush. You don't, need, you don't need a voice to speak to you. That that is God's call to you. It's to everybody in the world to turn from your way and turn toward him in faith. And that is the call to be his child. And if you have a sense that you need to take a faith step like that, and accept that, then I want to invite you at the end of the service to come forward. Our prayer partners will be here, and you can pray to accept that, to put your faith in God, to accept his call on your life in that way. And, and don't wait another day. Do that today. Um, but also, there's, so there's that general call, but there's that specific call on each of our lives. And you know, how do we embrace that, especially if we're people who are prone to doubt ourselves or doubt that calling? You know, people, people often say, God will never give you more than you can handle. Have you heard that before? It's not true. It's a lie. God will never give you more than you can handle. God gives me more than I can handle all the time. What we should say is God will never give you more than he can handle. That he's the one who's calling. He is the one who is with us. He is the one who was and is and ever will be. Jesus never said, you know, God will never give you more than you can handle. Um, It's not that God calls people who are so equipped and competent. Like, God equips those he calls and makes them competent for the task. That's how God works. And we say, well, what if God's calling me to do something that I don't think I'm good at or that I I can't do with excellent? There's that other saying, you know, if it can't be done with excellent, don't do it. Again, Jesus didn't say that. I would, rather, I, would, I would rather see hundreds of people serving in all kinds of different ways imperfectly than just an elite few really skillful, talented people doing all the work of ministry in this church. I want to see everybody get involved in different ways. Now, not everybody should be working with kids. Not everybody should be singing. But we, God does equip us for that task. But to, to, to be a people, so you know, we're all going to do something. We're going we're gonna to fulfill that calling. And if we're not sure what it is, we're going to keep trying different things until we, until we figure it out together. We're going to do that in community. Um, Pastor Rick Warren once said, less than perfect service is always better than the best intention. Less than perfect service is always better than the best intention. We're, we're going to serve imperfectly, but God is with us. He's empowering us. So where's, where's my place? How do I find my thing? I'd say if, if you don't have a sense that God is pulling in a certain direction, just try something. Our church website has a whole section. You go under Get Connected and then Serve. And it has ways that you can serve in the church, ways that you can serve in the community. There's all different ways of exploring how to serve and, and where to serve. And just check that out. Poke around and, and, and just try something. Because God calls every person to to do the work of, on a mission for him. 
I remember my, my calling to this, uh, to this ministry that I do now uh, 20 years ago. Uh, literally a phone call that I got from uh, Kathy Shannon. And, and I was interested, somewhat interested, and I came, interested enough that I came to visit the church. Didn't tell anybody who I was or why I was here. I came with my wife. And we sat down actually right kind of where you're sitting today. And, um, and at the end of the service, I turned and I said, nope. This is not our place. This is not our people. Uh, this is not what we're called to do. This is the end of the story. You can kind of figure out. But we do, you know, when God calls us, and I'm not a good example because God called me to work at a church, and God isn't necessarily going to call you to work at a church or deliver a nation of people out of slavery. But your call is important, and God is calling you. You won't, may not see a burning bush, but in a very real way, God is no less present to you and with you as he calls you. Let us pray. Father God, we want to hear your voice. We want to know how you are calling us. But Lord, we also acknowledge that we can be people who are prone to doubt ourselves, people who could even doubt you, God, doubt your goodness. And there's things in life that, that bring us to that place. But Lord, give us faith. Help us to see who you are. Help us to see your goodness. Help us to see your power, that this is your mission and your work, not ours. Help us to get our eyes off ourselves and put our eyes on you, Lord. And may you be pleased in that and glorified as you lead us, your people. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.